where we're giving the world a voice. We are a faith-based social justice forum where individuals give their perspectives on various topics. It's an opportunity to express their viewpoint, their stance, and their angle on justice issues affecting the community and globally. Each episode features guests presenting their perspective on things like climate change, the church, urban farming, and food insecurity, all through a unique faith lens. Come check us out. Give us your perspective. Good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Perspectives On, where, where we're giving the world a voice. In the past four weeks, we have had to uh, deal with the spread of coronavirus. It has exploded across the globe, leaving ERs, ICUs, uh, and patients on ventilators, and families grieving over the loss of loved ones. To limit the spread of this virus, um, most governments implemented strict stay-at-home orders. This was uh, this very blunt instrument was necessary because many countries were simply unprepared for the spread of this virus. If nothing was done, the rising number of infections would have overwhelmed healthcare systems and deaths would have quickly escalated. As part of the efforts to to stay the spread, congregations have had to split, have had to move to switch to different platforms. But in the last four weeks, government restrictions have, as governments ease their restrictions, we've had to deal with a sudden urge of COVID-19 outbreaks, where communities are now asking the question, should we have opened up too soon? And with regard to our churches, the question is being asked, should we reopen? And what is our strategy? So tonight, I've asked... Uh, a number of my colleagues in the ministry to be a part of this conversation and share uh, their perspectives on uh, our recent outbreaks as well as uh, their strategies in terms of if their congregations are ready really to go back into their their uh, their congregations of uh, their or their worship centers. So why don't we start uh, for those who don't know uh, you know my panel of experts. Uh, why don't we start with uh, Dr. Fortson. Will you introduce yourself, please? Thank you, Dr. White. Good evening to everybody and to this distinguished panel of guests. Uh, I am Dr. Paul Q. Fortson, and um, I'm a part of the uh, Paradise Church of God in Christ. Yes, um, Dr. Skip, I am Kojic, fourth generation, and um, here in Atlanta, Georgia, um, doing a lot of uh, community service work, work, social justice work, and and making sure that we are being the voice of God, the voice of a justice uh, in the world. Now, I appreciate the opportunity to be here on this line to just speak a few things about the coronavirus and what the church's role is in um, speaking to the world and even what our role and what our strategies may be as it relates to opening back up to our congregation. So thank you, uh, Dr. White. Of course, Dr. Mason. Yes, I'm uh, Dr. Skip Mason, pastor uh, of the uh, West Mitchell Street CME Church, uh, ending my first year uh, as pastor and delighted to uh, share with you uh, again, Dr. White, my uh, 
cohort and classmate and friend on your show uh, and eager to hear what other of my colleagues are sharing about returning back into the brick and mortar of our church building. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Mason. Uh, 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 Pastor Jenkins, would you tell us a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself? I think you, this is your first time on my uh, on this segment. Okay, apparently Pastor Jenkins can't hear me. Um, Dr. Buxton, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your ministry? Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Good evening to uh, to all. My name is uh, Susan Buxton. I serve as the pastor of Allen Temple African Methodist Episcopal Church in the city of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, this is my first year. Uh, it just ended my first year as pastor. Um, I'm excited to be there. Uh, I'm in a certainly growing, uh, growing area of the city in Northwest Atlanta. And the ministry itself um, has been situated in that area um, since the 1960s. Um, the, the community is growing rapidly. Um, it is shifting with reurbanization. And uh, we have seen, uh, we've seen a need to make sure that we are more, tar that we are targeting uh, ourselves in ministry um, in that, in a shifting community. So thank you, Dr. White, for the opportunity to come and share with you again on Perspectives On. Okay, absolutely. Um, Dr. Henderson, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Yes, ma'am, I can. Yes, okay, tell us about yourself. Right. Bless your bones, I am Dr. Michael B. Henderson, pastor of Second Baptist Church of LaGrange, Illinois, which is a western suburb of Chicago. And I am uh, deliciously proud to be here with you all on, on this evening. Uh, it seems like I am the only one that does not pastor or work in the Atlanta area. Um, and uh, just glad to be on. And we'll be talking about so many other things from the, no, from the Midwest uh, perspective, if you will, on today. Thank you so much for the invite. All right. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, Reverend, uh, let me see. Reverend Jenkins. Can you hear us? Can you hear us? I can us? barely hear you, but uh, I think I know what the uh, first question is, and so I can go ahead and respond. <laughs> I don't know if you all can hear me, though. Uh, we can hear you just fine. Well, good evening, and I want to thank my friend, Dr. Lorraine White, Laura Lane, for uh, the opportunity to be a part of this very important panel. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Yes. I'll, I'll keep going. Um, it's in, I thank I thank her for the opportunity to be a part of this panel. Um, let me say that my name is uh, B. A. Jenkins. I'm a doctoral student at Beeson Divinity School, graduate of the Morehouse School of Religion (ITC). Also, I've been pastoring for the past ten years and and in ministry for the past twenty. Um, I think that um, this is a very important time for us as a body of faith, public theologians, and allow our voices to be to, quite frankly, um, my role as uh, I, I just began um, virtual church ministries to meet the needs of those who are the least, the less, and the left out, those who are looking for a place that they might worship the Lord without the uh, 
affects the uh, traditional church settings. And so with the coronavirus setting, it made it uh, quite applicable for this ministry. And so I'm just happy to be here and to be a part of this call today. Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, I want us to join to just go right into the discussion tonight uh, for those who are just tuning in. Um, the, the title of this particular segment is the um, Operation Reopen. And many of, many of us are members of denominations and churches that are planning on resuming in-person worship uh, just this weekend. And when we plan for this show, we plan for this format to, to, to support that effort and to really kind of talk about, you know, look how far we've come and, and, and we're, we're excited about, you know, what's going to happen next. But since we originally planned for this particular segment and the title and the subject of this segment, now we're in a situation where we've got 24, 24 states reporting an, a sudden increase in confirmed coronavirus cases. And we've got hospitalizations going up and we've got, you know, and so when we planned, I think when a lot of churches and denominations plan for um, reopening their reopening strategy, I don't think we understood that this is that this that we would be where we are now. So with California, Texas, and Florida, and Georgia uh, reporting these upticks, then the, the question—I mean, all of this begs the question: you know, should we proceed, or what? 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 What do we do? And so the first question tonight um, focuses in on—I had them down, but since I've had all these technical problems. Uh, the first question, I believe, uh, talks about uh, what what do we do? Uh, how did how did switching to an online format impact your ministry? Uh, somebody, Dr. Mason, why don't you start us out? <laughs> of course, I can't hear. We can't hear you, Doc. That's better. I'm sorry. Okay. okay. I had it on mute. I remember the last service we had in in, in the church, uh, and it was sort of eerie knowing that this was going to be our new normal. Uh, we had the praise team and people were spread out and we had a few members in. And then we went to Facebook Live uh, and I was primarily using my, my phone and, and trying to do service. Uh, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel normal initially. I, I felt something personally was lacking, but uh, we had a lot of people watching. Uh, that normally would not and got good feedback and good response. Uh, and, and so maybe I did Facebook Live with my phone for a couple of Sundays, and then I stumbled across another platform, StreamYard, uh, and learned how to operate that to enhance the service and bring additional people on. So it has caused, and I'm certain my colleagues can attest to the fact, that it has caused us to really learn in some instances how to manage technology. Uh, I pastor a great church, uh, membership numbers uh, under 150. I don't have a huge audiovisual staff. Uh, we do have an AV person, but I had to learn how to do this myself. Uh, and so it helped me to grow and increase in that and to still offer ministry. So right now we are, we're doing uh, worship service on Sunday. We do Bible study Tuesday uh, and Wednesday uh, using uh, our virtual technology. And I've seen numbers of views that we would not see sitting in our sanctuary 
and then I remember after the first two or three Sundays in a meeting with my uh, officers, particularly my stewards, uh, and they say, Pastor, uh, our offerings have been very good. And so whatever we're doing, God, keep doing it. Uh, and we have seen a steady increase um, in that. But more importantly, in reaching out to the masses. You know, I, I just would not see two or three or 400 people viewing my sermon on a regular Sunday. Uh, and now I'm seeing those numbers. And then, of course, it is in circulation. So people will come and watch it later on. So I'm, I'm very grateful to God for this season uh, in terms of what God has taught us to do in terms of transitioning to uh, a social media and technology platform. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, let's see, Dr. Buxton, talk to us a little bit about how your congregation, I mean, how did, how, what impacts did the pandemic and really having to, for, for especially with the sheltering in place, how did you end up having to, how did you mitigate your, the, the challenges with that? Right. Well, one of the first things that, that we had to make sure that we that we did is immediately just become, um, although we are connectional church, we're also we always are not as connected as we need to be. Um, and so I made certain that all of our stewards, which may be called deacons or uh, lay leaders in other denominations, um, that um, they all had um, in alignment with what we see as a class, our class system in um, the class class leader system in the AME church, they were all expected to make sure that they started to call um, every day to give a call to some to, to people who were on their particular listing. That worked phenomenally well because people really didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to connect uh, with uh, with us. Uh, we have a large population of those who um, simply are not technologically literate. And so we had to do some one-on-one -on -one tutorials to help people to be able to find um, ways to get on. We also needed to understand that we had to have a, several means of getting on. The one thing people do know how to do is talk on the telephone. So that means that we had to have a, a stream such as freeconferencecall.com. Um, we have seen uh, we also put in, a, we also got a, a group of people um, to gather together at the end of every month to actually deliver communion kits. And in those communion kits, it had um, inspirational, it had inspirational uh, uh, documentation in it. It had a letter from me um, indicating what was happening, a calendar of how they could remain connected and other events that could still go on virtually. Um, so we've, it, it, Financially, like Dr. Mason, it has made, uh, we've seen an uptick in, in um, tithes and offerings. Uh, we have seen an uptick in people um, supporting from around the country. And we've had an absolutely, uh, I mean, we had a meeting Tuesday night and one of my stewards said, you know, well, Pastor, what do we need to go back for? Because we're doing all right. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm clear, there is no going back. We will return, but there is never going to be a yeah. going back to church it. as I usual. I love it. I love it. I love yeah. it. I love That's it. Right. I love it. That's right. Uh, Dr. Forson, will you share with us, you know, what your ministry, how this all impacted your ministry and, and you know, how did you, uh, what was your plan? Well, I think I've had um, the same or shared perspectives, just like uh, Dr. Skip and um, Dr. Buckton, in that we've seen this um, rise or this uh, increase in viewership as well. Um, I think that um, people who would not have normally 
um, been able to view for whatever reason, whether it was work or what have you, people who um, may not, you know, have come are now watching and re and rewatching, replaying, as they say, these services. And so I think the reach has done uh, has been amazing. Um, I think what it what it has also done, um, not just with the finances, because we've seen that increase uh, on that greater participation in financial giving as well. Um, but what it did was it showed us some deficiencies in our ministry um, that that we maybe would not have seen if this pandemic had not happened, where we were OK with how our audio video ministry was going. But now we had to actually invest in it. And as Dr. Buxton said, we might come back, but it won't be the same. And what we are planning to do is to continue uh, this virtual platform, even after, you know, into years or into perpetuity as uh, we return um, to the sanctuary, whenever that may be. Um, I think that, uh, I mean, wherever it may be fully, because we are slowly rolling out a strategy of return starting last week and this week. But we'll talk about that, you know, in a minute. But um, what I what what I've also seen and what I think is one of the really one of the coolest things is that some of the seasoned saints who were not as technologically uh, advanced or, or astute, we had groups of young people go and help them. Um, they were staying safe, wearing a mask, their gloves, but they were helping them with the technology and to learn the technology. And what we've seen is that our seasoned saints are beginning to enjoy the technology, social media and Facebook and things of that nature. And so I think where it, it had the potential to uh, disconnect us, it actually is sort of bridging a gap between generations. And so that's probably uh, one of the coolest things that I've seen um, well, with that. But that's a great impact on our ministry. Okay, awesome. Okay, so uh, Pastor Brendan, are you able to, can you hear us? Very little, but I think well, I know what you, you're asking me. Okay, so why don't you tell us a little bit about and how. So I will try to take a stare back at the. Just tell us a little bit about how your ministry has grown online since you started. Okay. During this time of COVID virus is a opportunity for us to reach outside of the walls of the church. In fact, I would say that God has kicked us all out of the church and and has instructed us to fulfill the great commandment to go ye therefore into all nations, teaching them whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the world. And so I think that um, what Satan or what evil may meant for good said, God has made me for evil. God has made good because now we are all called to use whatever by whatever general setting or the traditional setting of reaching out to people and going to the hedges and the byways. So they'll think social media and and um, those forces, those like Zoom and other platforms 
have allowed us to be able to reach people who, for whatever reason, whether they work on Sundays or whether they are disgruntled with the traditional church or whatever their status is, they want a relationship with Christ. And being via the COVID, we're being forced to give it to them, to make it available to them. I've seen That's tremendous right. success, seen tremendous uh, thoughts and desires to be a part of the community of faith part of the community of faith, which breaks down all denominational differences. And people are looking to hear a fresh manner, a fresh word from God that will allow them to be able to draw closer to him during this time. And so I'm excited about it. Uh, whether we go back into a building this time next year, all right with it, virtually out to those who are, whatever reason, unable to make it to the doors of the church. It's an opportunity for God to act on behalf of his people and, and draw us closer and draw us nearer to him and get outside of the traditional settings of worship. And so I'm excited about it. And I pray that each one of our ministries will be advanced as a result of and during this COVID season. Uh, the, the church where I served for many years did not want to give and give a fly, did not want to use tithely or any other source. But once this, this um, pandemic broke, um, they were forced to use those platforms. And quite frankly, the, the offerings of the church have gone up and down as a result of the creative abilities and so, uh, or the necessity to become creative. And so I think that um, this, is, this is a uh, season in which we can all advance the kingdom of our savior. Uh, it, is, it is a great season, even though uh, we all know people who are health-wise being affected. Uh, I've had people in our church who have been diagnosed, had the COVID virus, but even despite it all, we're still pressing toward the mark. We're still moving forward. And so, and, and I have not had anyone, thank God, who have actually died as a result of the virus, but I've had people who have been sick. I've got one brother who just contracted um, the uh, virus this weekend. And so I think it's important for us as advocates for crisis, public theologians, for us to, to blow the clarion call and, and let people know that, that we must all be very vigilant and conscious and cognizant and not let our guards down and use the face mask and use the gloves and, and take the necessary procedures to make sure that we are, that we are, are um, doing what we need to do to safeguard our families and ourselves from these conditions. Okay. Yes, I agree totally. Uh, I think that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot going on, and with with our state, our state and local government that are really trying to without they're really trying to encourage people to adhere to those guidelines, so they don't have to turn they don't have to shut the economy down, because if we shut the economy down, then it's, it makes it more difficult for us to fight um, to fight the the virus. Uh, let's see, um, uh, Dr. Henderson, did you get a chance? Did you talk about what? What is your? What? How did? How did the virtual church uh, impact your, or just the whole pandemic impact your ministry? Um, let me let me first say again, thank you. And I must say that it scared the wits out. It scared the wits out of us because 
no one has ever passed through a pandemic. Right. And so we didn't know what to do at first. So the first Sunday it hit, we just didn't have any church. But then after that, uh, I had been expressing to our members that we needed to do more online. Um, so with the quickness, we moved. And um, and we are now, we're streaming online on Facebook Live. And we're uh, also doing the call for those who are not uh, on Facebook. Um, Unlike, one of the things that has happened is that I even had to implement what I call BYOC on first Sunday, bring your own communion, whatever your communion is, uh, we're going to bless it and we're going to keep on going or whatever that is. Uh, one of the things that has surfaced that uh, many of my colleagues, male and female, have agreed is that the Lord has turned this thing that the church is now in the hands of the pastor because they don't want to hear from nobody else but the pastor. That's who they are looking for during this time. No stewards, no deacons, no trustees. They want to know what pastor has to say. Um, and like many of you all, I have an aging congregation, so I'm very cognizant uh, of the uh, underlying um, sicknesses that they may have. But uh, we are trying... And because I have an aging congregation and not many younger people, I've been working hard to get other streams of YouTube channel or uh, other things to make sure the word is getting out. But I must agree that uh, giving is giving is up. Thank you, Jesus, because there are those who are giving uh, who are, were not connected. And it so happens I have a, you know, because we're still not doing online giving, but Members are coming by and dropping off their tithes and offering uh, in the mailboxes or to my house or things of that nature to make sure that all is well. So uh, it's been a big turnaround, and I must agree because I don't know um, whether or not we're going to go back into the building. I said first Sunday in August, but I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, we may just have one service on first and third Sundays. I don't know as of yet. But uh, it's making us rethink this whole paradigm of what we call church. Absolutely. It, it absolutely, absolutely is. One thing I'm curious about in, in, in your ministry, did you all receive, apply for and receive the, um, the, did you take part in the Paycheck Protection Program? And, and if so, was that successful? Did you have success in it? Dr. Mason? No, we, we did not as a church, but uh, the uh, Georgia North District of the CME Church uh, did. I'm chair of the Joint Board of Finance. Uh, and because we take care of the presiding elders' salaries, uh, we were able to do that. And uh, in fact, all of the districts in Georgia did. And it was successful and they were f and we were funded. Gotcha. Oh, that's awesome. And did anybody else participate? Paycheck Protection? Dr. Buxton, did you all do that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we we did, uh, and it was, and it has, it worked, it worked for us, and um, I'll I'll put in a, a a different perspective on that in a second. But to answer your question, yes, we did. Okay, uh, Doctor Doctor Henderson, were you about to say something, or was that Doctor Porter? Yeah, uh, we we applied, but we we never got it, and I don't know if it's because we deal with a small community bank here. Uh, and I also think, and this is no offense, I also think it's because of my zip code. 
because mm. I pastor in a predominantly uh, Caucasian area, and uh, my zip code says one thing, but it's not not true. However, God has been faithful to us, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think I am besides. Uh, Rev. Jenkins, the only one here that's not a part of a connectional church. Uh, so, but God's been faithful to us. I don't know what happened. I don't know if we still can apply. I heard that when we when it came down, all the money was gone, and I heard something again and something again. So I was not privy. Second Baptist has not been privy to get any kind of loan or any kind of anything from that. Okay. All right. Yeah, you mentioned that we... Um, um, participated in 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 it as well and it has been a benefit and has helped us to bridge the gap you know for from um us being there in the congregational but it's been good as well um, for us awesome I, I was just curious about you know how well that has uh, that has worked uh, for for congregation now you, now i mentioned earlier that um that we have now we have 24 states including texas california Georgia and Florida that are um, and that are reporting this, this certain uh, verge, uh, surge that is of uh, confirmed COVID nineteen cases and including hospital increase in hospitalizations, increasing in uh, in reported deaths. And so we had no idea. Well, we did have an idea, but we didn't. I guess we thought it would. We thought that it would occur this quickly and this um, this uh, aggressively in terms of uh, this upsurge. And so, um, you know, just as we're planning, some of us, uh, I know in uh, in our district, we're we were planning on we're planning to resume our in-person worship services on this coming Sunday. But I'm curious to know from your your ministries, um, you know, what what is your plan? So far, in terms of that, will you tell, tell us a little bit about what's what's going on with your churches? May, may I respond? Since I'm going to have to leave, and after this response, mm-hmm. we we have a plan uh, in place that we've discussed. Uh, the plan is without an actual date of return. Uh, our denomination has asked us to move very slowly and very cautiously uh, in terms of returning. Uh, to be in tune with uh, the regulations and policies of the city for which we live in uh, and the state for that matter, uh, and also to take a pulse from our membership, which is most important, you know, as as a level of, you know, comfortability in terms of returning. And I know some churches were planning, but, you know, as we look at the upsurge of uh, cases, you know, we are, as far as I'm concerned, we are quite a long ways off from actually going back into the physical building and having church as usual. We are planning a drive-in service on the second Sunday, practicing all safety precaution measures, folks staying in cars and near cars and um, doing that. We just want to see each other's face. Uh, and I think that will be good for the spirit. But we are, we are some time off, you know, and colleges have decided to, you know, go online or, or to temper the number of students coming. And I think the church has to be uh, very careful, you know, as well about the rush to go back to the building. I understand that. But for West Mitchell Street CME Church, we're being very cautious um, uh, and, and, and very careful about 
you know, that time. I, I want to say this and then I'll um, do and I I so appreciate hearing from all of my colleagues uh, and, and, and Dr. Butson and her statement. Uh, she, she really touched on a couple of things that I want to add. For me, the personal touch has been the best for my members. You know, yes, we have utilized our stewards and stewardess. We've utilized other officers in the church. We have a, a members care team whose job is once a month to make physical contact. I try to at least uh, once a day to reach out to one, two or three members. Those that are on Facebook, those that have text, a phone, cell phones, I text. I spend all day texting members, just checking in. And so I think one of the things that has helped us tremendously and because of the size of our church is this personal touch, you know, making sure that our members still hear uh, Dr. Henderson from the pastor. At the end of the day, they really do want to hear from the pastor uh, because the pastor sets the tone and, and temperature for, for the church. But engaging the officers, stewards, stewardess, members care, and, and other team members to make sure that all of the church members are doing well and to make sure that the pastor knows something, if something's going on with the family or member, that the pastor is well aware of that and can offer the kind of spiritual guidance um, and nurturing that we need. Once a month, we have a get together by Zoom. We get everybody on. We have the young members have to get the old members on, uh, older members, excuse me, by phone, uh, or they share screens and all. And so thankfully it has worked, you know, and as the old folks say, if it ain't broke, you know, hmm. right now, and it certainly isn't, you know, why fits it. I'm sorry I have to leave. I got a training Zoom uh, for our annual conference, but it is always good seeing my colleagues in the ministry. Uh, and Dr. Laura Lane, thank you so much for this opportunity uh, to share with you uh, again. And by the way, I'm hosting several watch parties on my Facebook page on your show. I just want you to know. That. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Dr. Skip. Good seeing y'all. We'll Good talk. To see you, sir. God bless you. you. God Take care, Thank you. So, um, Dr. Buxton, will you share with us? That was, that was great to hear your perspective on that, Skip, and thanks. Uh, could you share uh, what, what is exactly your ministry doing in terms of uh, its reopening phase? Well, we as well. We've we've been having uh, those conversations since the first since the first day. We never not ha we never. I just couldn't imagine not having service. So I, you know, we muddled through the first um, the first day that we did not um, that we did not gather on Facebook Live. Um, so I've been talking to myself into a screen for a long time, like many of us. Uh, but one of the pieces denominationally that we did, um, our bishop, uh, Bishop Reginald T. Jackson, um, he brought the denomination together, not just the pastors, but also the ministry leaders and any lay person who wanted to share. Um, he had um, initially uh, a one meeting a week uh, on a Saturday at four o'clock. Um, he made sure that he took on a pastoral role and uh, he preached every Saturday. Um, uh, about uh, making sure um, a lot of the, the sermon topics were about how to deal with challenge and, and pressing forward. Um, then uh, after the, the second month, he add the, during the second month, he added a Tuesday evening and the Tuesday evening was specifically geared toward operations. And so all of that, uh, we, it entailed bringing in um, the, a lawyer, that um, that uh, works for the denomination, um, speaking with uh, uh, 
uh, I can't remember what I can't remember her name. I so apologize. I listen to her every week, but um, bringing in personnel from uh, Georgia State University, Georgia UGA, um, to speak with us about the health concerns, um, the PPE, and those things that needed to be in place. Um, we gathered together. Um, we gathered together cleaning services um, so that everybody had that that opportunity to share, and um, even went through what needed to be posted uh, so that we can, because realistically there are some legal ramifications about us returning if we have not done those things that we need to make sure that we do. Um, so we had those kinds of conversations denominationally um, with the, within the Sixth Episcopal District and around the entire denomination, the entire denomination of the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Um, and so as we did those things and paralleled that within our church as well, um, so it, we, we again have a plan. We thought about going back this particular Sunday, um, but we're just, we're not going to. Um, we, this is a dynamic experience for all of us, meaning dynamic as in changing. And so we have to be willing Absolutely. to be flexible to do what we Absolutely. need to do. And so, uh, you know, we have everything we need. We have masks and sanitizer and PPE, all that. But, you know, until the Lord say so. We right. shall not be. <laughs> we shall not be in the sanctuary. <laughs> I understand, um, Dr. Henderson. What? What? Where exactly yeah. are you all? I know you. You said earlier. <laughs> you had us laughing earlier. But what is that? What? What is the the plan? Have you had a chance to share what your plan is for for reengaging and reopening? My plan was to uh, reopen on the first Sunday in August. However. With the surge of this, I am not sure. Um, I may even push that back to first Sunday of September. The reason I'm saying this is because also, brothers and sisters, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to make sure that we have people who have taken the class on conceal and carry. <laughs> now, I know that may sound kind of strange. <laughs> Laugh all you want. <laughs> But everybody not seen. And uh, yeah, and folks gonna be coming and because listen, and and and, and because my the church where I pastor is I have people who come in uh who are not uh African American. I have all kind of people that come into the church because many think that we are and, I, and then because I'm a part of the uh consortium here. Uh, I'm the largest black church here. So they come in, hear me preaching this, that, and the other. But, you know, we also have to take care of ourselves. And that's Amen. something that, we are, that, that we're really going to have to look at, y'all. I mean, just seriously, because, so, you know, we don't know what people have on their mind. So are you saying that, that uh, persons in your congregation, your concern is that persons in your congregation will feel free to um to exercise their right to bear arms in in your church is that what you mean by making sure they take the club the course on conceal and carry yes <laughs> I, I, and... come on Reverend. listen Look, yes, beloved. Yeah, beloved. I understand. <laughs> Jesus told Jesus told this disciple to get two swords, didn't he? He Come told him now. to get two swords. So build with a build with a sword in your hand. Come on here. <laughs> and I know that uh I know uh 
I know Jink. I, I call him Jink. Jink can hear me, but Jink was security for Dr. Alexander for years. Mm. And it's not that. It's, it's the very, very fact that we have to be very careful now, especially with people uh, that don't have jobs of income. And, and people think that the church has money. They, they really do. And I have to protect as pastor the variables that are going on. Mm -hmm. and, and not only that, I have sometimes homeless people that we help, which is no problem. Uh, but it's a whole whole act because y'all we have to this is a this is a time we've never known anything about so not only do we have to protect ourselves with masks and with gloves we're even getting a, a, a temperature one of those temperature guns to check people's temperatures because if you're if you're sick you stay at home and you know watch us you know that way and i'm even considering i'm even moving my service up from the 11 o'clock hour to the 9 30 hour because one of the problems we had was that when we first started, everybody was coming at 11, so it was very flooded. Uh, so at 9.30, you know, you know, we come on. And so I'm considering doing the service going all the way to the first Sunday uh, in September. And if by chance the rise comes more, we may not go back in until the first Sunday in, in uh, January. And because of this, and let me just mention this, you all are in Georgia, and, you know, the temperature is very pleasant. Well, here in Chicago, you know that we have maybe six, seven, or eight months of cold and these few months. And so people are getting ready to get out for the uh, holiday and doing all these protests and gatherings and going back to restaurants and things of that nature. So we're going to have to be careful about it. And I, like most of you, I need all of the members to live. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. You know, and that's that's something really to consider because uh, I know in the state of Georgia, um, they have reported a, an upsurge on per gun purchases. Uh, mm -hmm. We also had an increase on in in, in gun violence, and so people are just like going out and buying guns. And it is a concern. I know in the AME church, Dr. Butts, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, we do have a policy. Most churches, most of the uh, local churches have adopted a, a no no guns, uh, you know, uh, policy, even though in the state of Georgia, you, if you have a license to carry. Uh, there, but but I think uh, the uh, I, I believe the AME church has adopted that policy where, you know, we don't allow guns in the sanctuary, but that's not to stop people from, you know, this that's is like right. Dr. Henderson said, you know, taking matters into their own hands. Uh, Representatives, uh, can you hear us? Okay, wonderful. Yes, I can I can hear it's a little scrambled, but we're going to keep pressing toward the mark. We're not going to give up or give out. Absolutely. Uh, okay. I heard y'all laughing over there. I couldn't enjoy the laugh. I know <laughs> Brother Henderson, Dr. Henderson had said something because all y'all were laughing and he was still in, looking. And so I, I wanted to laugh, but I couldn't laugh. I could only smile. Well, he talked about you. Because well, let me repeat myself. <laughs> let me repeat myself because I know that you, and listen, I want you to read my lips very well. I know that you believe 
in Washington as well as pray. You you were a security for Dr. Alexander for years. And I was telling them that we're going to have two people assigned every Sunday for conceal and carry. <laughs> yeah, that, that, well, that's right, that, Brother Henderson. I think that um, security is of utmost importance in our churches. If that if that's the question on the table, I think that um, well, with a virtual church, you don't really have that need because there's no funds being transferred; it just goes straight to the bank. But I guess that's another another issue. Uh, but as far as the traditional church setting, absolutely, we have to protect the the house of God from those who will come in and steal and kill and destroy, because that's we right. know that Ephesians four tells us we fight not against flesh and blood, but that's evil right. and wickedness. Say in principalities that. in high Say places, that. in heavenly places, in fact. And so I think that it's important, uh, having been in security for over 30 years, Brother Henderson, I think it's important. I think we do the church a disservice if we do not protect the sheep. Amen? Amen. Amen. What, what, what was Amen. the question, but, uh, so, Dr. Larlane? What's the well, question? Well, we were just talking about some of the challenges that we, we might face trying to, in our quest to reopen and have more in-person worship services. And one of the challenges that um, that Dr. Henderson brought to the forefront was was those persons who want to be a part of the, secu the unauthorized security force. And they want to, uh, uh, you know, to procure their own, uh, as, 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 uh, as Tyler Perry said in the movie, their own piece of steel. And so we, you know, we, 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 we do kind of want to guard against that and just be, uh, you know, be uh, aware that uh, there has been a, a, a increase in, in gun violence as well as gun purchases, and so some people are um, they, they may want to take their own, yeah. have their own uh, security plan. Yes, ma'am. Well, you know, I um, I asked uh, a deacon at uh, my home church, Antioch, this question when the when the issue first came out about uh, weapons in the church. And he said, what do you mean? We've been carrying weapons in the church forever. Uh, right. But it's a quick, the issue, the issue is whether, who, who do you want to have a weapon in your church? Right. You, you might need some weapons in the church. When we think about what happened in, in, in Charlotte, in, uh, in uh, South Carolina, uh, there needed to be some people who were registered, armed and, and available um, to Amen. deter people from coming into the church. So you you I'm not opposed to churches guns in the church, but I am opposed to people being able to bring their weapons in without them being registered with the church. Mm -hmm. Amen. Right. Yeah. Amen. You're right, everybody. But I think we have to protect the church. We do. We have to protect them. Yeah, we've had some and, and certainly African Methodism uh has had its its share of of uh, on both sides. A gun violence, and you know, there's, there's some powerful examples that were up in terms of being able to uh, mitigate the danger of having weapons uh, in the, in the church. Now, that's a whole now what we're getting off into is a whole nother show. Uh, I was about to say, uh, I wanted, I wanted to before we moved on, um, uh, mention what our strategy was because un, um, unlike. Uh, the other brother in here, the uh, sister pastor who um, has mentioned about their coming back. We have a strategy, but I do want to say uh, for those of you who took African-American church history, God bless Dr. Henry Love Welchel. Um, 
we I'm Kojic and uh, I'm Kojic and um, and you know if you know if you know Bishop Mason he believed in the Holy Ghost and fire so I want to let you know if you come to paradise there will be the Holy Ghost but there will be some fire be right fire. there as well yeah, <laughs> come, on, right <laughs> come on through here well, but 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 our bishop has um, heard from God as you said, and um, and has decided that we will open um, next week, this coming Sunday, first Sunday in July. What we did last week was we did a test run with our leadership. And that was, of course, under 50 people. But we um, made sure that we put some things in place so that we could have a, uh, a safe return. And so we have a questionnaire that says... Um, you know, ask the questions that you hear whenever you go. Have you, you know, have a fever? Are you feeling sick? Or have you been around anyone who's been um, diagnosed? Um, we have our wellness team. And our wellness team has, um, I believe, two medical doctors and several PAs who are there to do temperature checks. Um, we are requiring that congregants wear masks. We um, also have capacity limits and an overflow uh, in our church. We also um, have we're, we're looking to do co uh, communion, as, as Brother Michael mentioned earlier. And so what we're doing is we are putting our communion sacraments um, in Ziploc bags to make sure that they are safe and make sure that they are not contaminated. Uh, there are rules where after service, there's no standing around and those kinds of things. Uh, everybody um, knows that our return to the sanctuary is completely optional. If you're sick, stay home, um, um, you know, and if not, we have a capacity where there are only three people allowed on each um, pew. Uh, the ushers and the deacons, we have the preachers who are support staff. Um, they are also staying safe as well. And we will continue our virtual platform. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the perpetuity, we will always keep our virtual platform going. But as far as our strategy for returning, it has been gradual. Um, again, we had a test run this Sunday. It went very well. Um, and then next Sunday, we'll make sure that, you know, we have our capacity limits, that there are masks. We'll make sure that um, um, that we also social distance. Um, we'll make sure that we have temperature checks. And to Brother Michael's point, we'll make sure that we have the Holy Ghost and some fire um, <laughs> there on campus at our church um, to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to make sure that everyone stays safe, gloves, for all of those, uh, for the ushers, for those who will be assisting the congregants, and so we we've been taking measures uh, to make sure that we open. But 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 just like the sentiments of each one that has already said, this virtual platform that will that will remain has been amazing in increasing our reach and amazing in in increasing the participation financially and in our worship experience uh, for us at Paradise. Now, I'm glad you, you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that, um, Dr. Fortson, because we did, we do have a question um, okay. from our viewers. Uh, her question I is, are, are any of you concerned that attendance virtual or in person will go down from the numbers reached during live streaming once the brick and mortar doors of the church are open? Well, well I'll say I, this. Oh, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. No, go go ahead. Go I, ahead. I'll say this. Um, <laughs> what what has tickled me a little bit is the, is the sentiment from many who have said. Um, uh, many of the pastors and many of the leaders are happy about this virtual because they get all of the great experience of church without all of the hassle and without all of the drama. Um, at the at the end of the day, um, that may be a concern. But uh, as Dr. Skip said before he left, what God is doing um, in the church now, we're gonna let him. We're gonna let God keep doing what God is doing in the church. If the numbers go down, however, participation, viewership, uh, financial participation, if it continues as it is, uh, you know, we've been preaching. To, you know, we've been seeing these empty pews all of this time. That may not be a bad thing, you know. So I don't. I, the concern is there, but I don't. But but it is not high on the priority list. Safety is 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 what is most important mm-hmm. to us. Yeah. For me, I'm, I am really, I, I think that the, the ideal that we have had to, to shift to a virtual platform really does um, show what, what God has been telling us the church is supposed to be in the first place. We've gotten comfortable Amen. inside the church and Amen. it is imperative that we are taking the gospel. I mean, think about it. This microscopic virus, none of us see it. But it has it has shifted us, all of us, into go into all of the world. That's right. And and so I don't I don't foresee that the attendance is going to is going to lessen. Um, But what I do know is that each of us must put into place those practices and develop the skills and the skills among membership to be able to to develop those ministries um, that do speak to um, a virtual virtual church. I'll put it that way. Um, I do know that there are pastors in our denomination who have literally had to hire pastors who are or ministers uh, who specifically work on work with their uh, online church. So mm. they, so, um, and, and I'm specifically thinking of, um, Dr. William Watley at, um, St. Philip AME church in Atlanta. And, um, and, and one of the pieces that is so important to us is the same way we're talking about getting connected to people, um, who are already at the church. We must find new streams to be able to connect people who are joining us and has been joining us since we've been virtual. Because the same people, the same people who leave, the same people who leave the church because they're not connected, the actual brick and mortar, they're going to be the same people that leave virtually too. Because if we look at our statistics, most of the people who log on to our services, they don't necessarily, our regular church folk, they're on the service the whole time. (laughs) Everybody else is fishing. They're just mm-hmm. going around to different services and they're getting th- two minute hits, one one minute hit, three second hits. That's right. They church so, hopping as yeah. we called it. They church oh, almost oh, that. They, they are virtually church hopping. <laughs> they church and hopping. As that's correct. So that's why it's important that even we're not just having our regular service online. We have to shift. We can't have two and three hour services. People's attention spans have long gone away from that. We don't need all of the same structure that we have all the time. Like if we're going to capture, it is, we have to lift the Lord in those first, in that first two or three minutes or else people are gone. And so it makes it, 
it helps us to hone our craft Ooh, as those who lead, as those who are lead, who are, are worship leaders, because we that are the good. chief worship leaders. That's good. That's good. I agree with that. Oh, um, it take listen, all of the minutia of church, the announcements and the this and the that and the the pop and circumstance have been taken out of the church. Now, I know we have stoic members because I know how it is that they want to do the responsive reading and him and this and the other and all, all that kind of stuff and, and Gloria Patry, who is her and all that other kind of carry on. However, who is she? But right. it is allowed us because I believe it or not, I believe I believe in streamlining service. My services will only last between 75 and 90 minutes anyway. But that is what's take. I mean, that is what what has happened, and they want to hear the word. People want to hear the word, and yeah. as you said, I'm not now because because I am one of those people who believe in the touch and the fellowship. Uh, there are there are going to be those who are going to come to church irregardless. They're going to be here with the brick and mortar. They're going to be here because that's something that they enjoy. But then, prime example, my mom, who lives probably about about a 20-minute drive from me, who does not drive because my church is in the suburbs, she tunes in to me every Sunday morning. I don't have to Amen. worry about it. I know, That's I right. know she's there. That's right. You know what I'm saying? And I have other people, all of churches where I've pastored that I've left who want to hear from Henderson, all right, y'all tune in here, who are, and believe it or not, our message is being stretched not just where we are, but everywhere for people to hear what God is saying through us. And so I am not so much worried. Matter of fact, I don't know about you all, but we've had people to join online. That's and right. I, I'm, 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 I'm fine with it. Uh, now, the only problem that I have is that we are not able to uh, visit people in the hospitals and the nursing homes like yes. we used to be able yes. to. Um, and because sometimes yeah. it's the power of presence. Right. I don't know if you all have gone through this, but I've gone through when I had people in the hospital or the nursing home and I called or I timed them or they, or they, somebody face out and they saw my face. Mm -hmm. Pastor, mm -hmm. I'm all right. I see your face. Yes. Mm. It makes a difference. And so, Amen. no, I, I, I think it's, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be an even, it's going to be something even. Mm. Mm, that's good. Um, I think also that um, this is supportive. I, I would, I would say, uh, on the question of the open reopening of the church, I would say the world is hungry for the living word. Lift Savior up so that men and women can see. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Amen. Whether you are virtual church or whether you are uh, going into the traditional church setting, the, the bottom line is, are we lifting up the name of Jesus? People are hungry to hear God. People are hungry to know that there is a will, that God has a way that God's word will liberate, that God's word will translate, that God will, will do a great work in their life. That's what people want to know. Yeah, People want to hear a word, and especially during these times when we have no leadership at the top, 
of this country. People want to know, are there public theologians who are willing to cry out in the wilderness and say a word that will empower people, say a word that will equip people, say a word that will energize people, say a word to the present stage and age that we find ourselves in. And I just think that if we do that, the people will come running to the church because they want to hear a fresh manner. They want to hear a word that's going to impact and empower their lives so that they can fulfill that purpose that God has for them. And so I would say this, another thing that keeps people from the church, not only is a pandemic uh, going on in our church, but a lot what keeps people from our, our churches are I'm doing my dissertation on developing a proactive paradigm to aid churches addressing conflict through preaching and teaching. And so I think one major reason why people are going have been falling away from the church is because of conflict within the walls of the church. People want to be liberated from the dogma that has so caused them to have issues with the church. And so I think that we as we as pastors, we as church leaders, we have to develop a paradigm that will aid us in addressing conflict mm-hmm. in the church. That so that when someone comes to us, we have a methodology that we can give them that will address that issue. And so often people leave the church. I can't tell you uh, how many times I've gone to a church and and uh, a person told them, well, this is this is my family row, pew row. We sit on this row every day. Now, how do you <laughs> think that would turn someone off from coming back to that church? Right. And so if we if we were more sensitive to those who are coming to the church, I think that uh, we go a long way in being able to address the needs of people that are coming to our churches. Uh, mm-hmm. We just got to show love one for another. And I know I've gotten kind of off of what the, the immediate question was there, but I, That's good. I just think that uh, the people are hungry for the word of God. It is the word of God that is a lamp unto our feet. It is the word of God that is a light unto our pathway. And so if we stick as pastors and as leaders of the churches, if we stick with the word of God and not abandon the when we go back into it, it's not abandon the, com- the reaching right. out to the community via That's virtual right. church, um, not abandoning that, but making that an act and a part of how we worship because because that that will draw people to the church. That's what we are called to do is to draw people to Christ, to fulfill the great commission, to feel the great care and the great concern, to help the least of these, to feed the sheep and to teach God's people. That's what we're called to do. And I think if we do that, we will people will be flocking to the church because they're flocking to hear the word of God. I, I agree. Totally. Dr. White, can I, may I say this? I, I have to. One of the pieces that and because we are we are all colleagues. And so something that we have to make sure that we say this has really being on screen every Sunday. It has minimized to just us. So mm. the word is the is what is central when we're online. And mm. as colleagues, we also have to figure out we also have to make sure that we know that we are accountable for our study. That's and right. for what we That's are presenting, right. because right. because now I don't I'm not calling I don't there's not it's not for me to say about anybody else but for Susan, 
my my goal is to make sure that I'm doing things deeper, that I'm studying deeper. And when I and 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 anytime and a lot of the stuff that we have to do, the operational stuff of church, sometimes that we we lose track because we lose we get focused on that can keep us from doing what is central and that is preparing soundly. And so we can't help but do that now. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I hope that everybody is going back and we're all going back and critiquing ourselves and having um, some critical partners to go back and talk to us about what's going on in, as we are preaching and teaching on Sundays. Because, you know, before we get hype, right? Because somebody's saying amen. I don't amen. hear anybody saying anything on Facebook right. Live. <laughs> hey, hey, Nothing. Well, we right. started this conversation back in, I think we had our first one in March. There's something that Dr. Henderson said. He said, if you don't have a word in your mouth, that's right. He come said on. It. Okay. <laughs> then you're going to be in trouble. And that's this- right. So, you, so, so I think. And this is exposing uh, that. This is exposing it. It is. It is. So the pandemic has has you know how you, you sometimes you get to the you get to the, you get the flavor of a piece of fruit if you just cut away the skin yeah. and, and all the stuff that's going that's watch out dog watch out dog. come on now I tell you this this <laughs> this, is, this is a humbling experience so if, it, it's it, a humbling experience so it is. we can't come together you see and we and we don't have the organ backing us up in the choir. And, and everybody waiting on us hand and foot in the pulpit and the ushers and all of that, then that means that we got to say something. You got to say something. That's right. Because like, we setting up our own production studio. Like, we... Yes. Ain't nobody here? Right. We got great backgrounds and all kinds of... What you say, Dr. Hennessy? You got to have a word in your mouth. You Come on now. You don't have well, a word I'm in your about, mouth. Listen, I, listen, here it is. Make the book talk. I think what the problem also is, is that we have many people who feed off the crowd, and if there's no crowd there, they're in trouble. Right. I, I, Come on, I can't preach. <laughs> I, I can't preach. Ain't nobody in here. I'm from the country. I learned how to preach without a mic, without an organ. All matter of fact, I'll use the microphone now just so people can hear me in this book. I, my mouth is big enough. Amen. <laughs> so I don't need all that. And you don't need all of it. <laughs> so, so, so I think I uh, Pastor Jenkins said. I, I mean, listen, listen. Mm-hmm, I can hear my own key. Watch out. Watch out, Doc. Watch out. Uh, come on, Rev. <laughs> And 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 Doctor, listen, Doctor Henderson got the preaching on one of those YouTube. I tuned in one time. I got happy in my house all by myself. <laughs> right, <My in>. my. <laughs> Reverend Henderson so, got the so, preaching and so, singing. That was Pastor Jenkins that said that this is kind of off the subject, but it's not really off the subject because when we're talking about you know a strategy for reopening, we need to pay attention to the things that this pandemic has exposed about each of us. And, right. and all of us have had to, right. I mean, we, we're not 100% in every area, you know, of our ministries always for us to improve upon. Well, this pandemic has really kind of called that to the carpet. And so now those of us who are, who, who, that, that God called, okay, mm-hmm. those of us that God called, those of us who God called, 
Uh, we're going to be the ones that are still standing and still able to bring that word and still able to have our ministry strong. That's Those amen. are God calls. Amen. And so, um, right. so, so yeah, this, this is all a part of, you know, uh, this is Operation Reopen. You know, whether reopening occurs in 2021 or if it recur uh, occurs uh, first Sunday in July, this coming July. You know, that's still, this is, all these things are things that we have to take into account. People want to hear right. the word. People want to come in contact, Dr. like you said, Dr. Henderson. Uh, people need to, that we need to be uh, more conscientious about how we engage um, preaching our words. So all of those things are important when it comes to knowing what the status of the church and having a reopening strategy. Is there anything else that, you know, y'all want to lift up before we, you know, before we part? Because this has been a great conversation and uh, barring all of the technical issues, we still, you know, we, we got to work through. That's something else. That's another challenge. Uh, I think that was you, um, Dr. Butson, earlier. You said uh, you, you had to learn how to use, I'm still learning how to use our online this this uh stream yard i'm still learning how to use it myself and making it really work but it's just another way for us to really it, it broaden our horizons and yeah. i believe that we all serve a god who is not a god that is a god that but that is a god that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmity that means that he is not just sitting by and watching us go about our business in the world this is the right. way of letting us know that our business is his business. And so there's a saying that we say in the church, whatever God has ordained, God will maintain. Amen. Oh, that's good. Given all of that, um, I just want to, you know, thank my thank each of you for being a part of this discussion tonight. Um, is there anything else that you guys want to lift up before we before we sign off? I just want to thank um, the powerful people of Allen, Af Allen Temple African Methodist Episcopal Church um, for for pressing forward. Um, I know all of us have people in our churches who have just really thought that they could never survive technology, but look <laughs> at God. Look at God. Look at God. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I want to say I just want to say that, um, you know, being in these forums during this pandemic and, and, and conversations like these uh, have really, really, really um, encouraged me because I believe we should be the leading voice in the world. If we are the voice of God in the world, we should be the leading voice, the voice of hope and, and the voice of justice and righteousness. And these forums, thank you, Dr. White, and each one of you uh, great pastors who are on this line um, for, for stepping up and being the voice of God, that strong voice of God. I, um, I said, you know, when the enemy brings unprecedented chaos in the world, we come with unprecedented power. And I believe that that is what we um, um, are, have been showing uh, in this forum. So the Lord bless you and thank you and each one of you um, um, for, for, for being available to do this. I know. I know. Anybody else? Well, given that, I want to thank you all for listening. A special thanks to Kisa Public Radios. And as we leave you. Please remember the famous words from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King that whatever affects one directly affects us all indirectly. Good night, everyone. And I ask my guests still stay on. We're gonna we're gonna end the broadcast, but stay on for a little bit of after talk.
Welcome to Perspectives On, where we're giving the world a voice. We are a faith-based social justice forum where individuals give their perspectives on various topics. It's an opportunity to express their viewpoint, their stance, and their angle on justice issues affecting the community and globally. Each episode features guests presenting their perspective on things like climate change, the church, urban farming, and food insecurity, all through a unique faith lens. Come check us out. Give us your perspective.